0: Welcome to Deed and Truth, a podcast where we explore loving God and loving our neighbors, not just in words, but also in actions, and with the Bible as the source and standard of truth. I'm your host, Tommy Morris. So I'm joined today by someone I've known for the last 16 years. So Ozzy Bloxson is joining me today to talk about missions. So Ozzy, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your background in ministry.
1: I got started in ministry somewhere around 1980. But on a mission field, I got started about 85, 1985. And um, as far as the mission field goes, it was actually something I ran from for a long time. I really felt like the Lord had called me, but I felt like he had the wrong person. <laughs> the first trip that I went on in a mission was to the country of Mexico. I tried... Every way I could to get out of going on that trip. And uh, a guy came to me in church, and he he said to me, just whispered to me, he goes, I have a word for you. That word is Mexico. And I went, you got the wrong guy, (laughs) you know? And then... Another guy simultaneously came up to me in church and says, I have a ticket for you to go anywhere in the world. And he gave it to me. So that was Mexico, a ticket. <laughs> and and then my excuse was, I'm still working out in a job. And I just started this job. So I'm going, they're not going to let me off to go because I'm brand new. But I thought, I'll ask anyway. So I told him what I wanted to do, wanted to go to Mexico. If, if you remember, 1985, they had a major earthquake in Mexico. And so a lot of people were going down to help out. That's how everything came to me, was to go down and help out in Mexico. And so I did ask on my job. And my job says, oh, yeah, we have a program for that. You can go. We'll pay you. Oh you know? wow! <laughs> so I have a ticket, I have a word, and I have approval. Paid time off. Paid time <laughs> off. Nice. So I went to Mexico, and we were actually digging out, and people were still alive in uh, rubble and everything. And uh, I remember it was a little kid, this little boy, that had come up to me, and he was going a unime, a unime, a unime, and a unime means help me. And he had people that were stuck in rubble, and we mm-hmm. went to help dig out. And as we were doing it, and I can hear and. I I can hear the the cry of the people. And it changed my life. As far as the mission field goes, I thought how selfish if I didn't want to leave the comforts of my own home or my own country. And yet there are people crying for help. And so I went. We worked about close to three weeks down there. And my heart just, it, something happened. It just changed. And uh, I just wanted to reach out and help people and uh, mainly to uh, share the gospel with someone. Actually, the gospel part came later. It was like help. But then I realized that this is twofold. It's it's one thing to go down to say to someone, get saved, give your heart to Jesus, but they're still in trouble or they're still hungry. Right. So you always want to do something on the other side as well. And I they go together. Yeah, and very so, much so. That's, that's how I got started on the mission. 36 years now. 36 yeah. years on it now.
0: Yeah, that's good because, you know, a lot of times we'll think we'll go and we'll build a well or we'll build a school, but maybe not preach the gospel. And yeah, that, that's helpful. But for eternity, the school right. doesn't save right? right? The well doesn't save them. Right. Um, but on the flip side, if if you go and, and you want to preach but you don't meet their immediate needs you're not helping hunger or the things that they need in daily life um sometimes that can cause them to turn a deaf ear to you and so it is it really is that two-part um so I'm glad that you mentioned that I'll say I mean the cool thing is my first ever mission trip I got to go with you you know so that was that was pretty cool and, and we went to India i think it was uh, 2008 I believe mm. so that was my first one and I have not been on one since I want to go on another one um, but you have been on Many. So, over the yeah. years, you know, where are some of the places that you've been able to go and to minister?
1: Oh, my goodness. We've been able to go to Japan, into South America, to a small country called Guyana, Uganda, India, the northern part of India, which is called Kashmir, right on the Pakistan border. And there's always a conflict there. Been in the middle of it. I've seen that. Um, can't think of any other places. <laughs> it's been a lot you've of have Been, a lot. So I've been to, of course, Mexico, yeah. been to Canada, Alaska, Hawaii. I know there are United States, but they yeah. still need ministry, but, um, but God, goodness, He's allowed me to travel to so many places, meet so many people, share the gospel in so many places, and not only has He allowed me to go, He's given me favor in countries that I never thought, but I'm, if He say let's, I'll say go. You know?
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I think I could go to any major international airport, and there's probably somebody I'll bump into who knows you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems, it's so it's the <laughs> way it seems, yeah, oh, actually man. I could probably go in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and just find a sheep herder, they probably know you. But yeah, God has blessed you to be able to go all over, which is yeah. has been amazing. So in that, so you kind of had, have had a rotation a lot the last few years. You've done a lot with, with Africa and India. And Uganda mainly, and
1: some in India. But you know, like in India, I guess one of the, the major problems that I had in India is what's still intact today, you don't hear a lot about it, but is their caste system. Mm-hmm. And that's how they treat people differently, depending on the caste that you're born in. And it was hard for me to understand how we could be out ministering or have genuine friends in a lower caste system that we didn't really know until we got to a restaurant, and those same people were not allowed to come into the restaurant and eat with us. And so I had a major problem with that, especially being a black man and, and older than I remember some of the stuff in our own nation. And so when I see someone else mistreated like that, it was very hard on me. And I kind of bucked the system over there in India and telling them that they can eat with us, found out that I was really doing the wrong thing at the time because I was there to minister the love of Jesus, not to try to change their culture and what they were doing. So so I've had to learn to keep my mouth shut <laughs> in some places and just learn the yeah. culture first and yeah. know where I'm going. So I've made mistakes on mission trips in my earlier days and don't want to go down that road again because you, you don't want to divide people or you don't want them to think, what kind of Christian are you? You want to just be able to have your main purpose is to minister the Word of God to the people there.
0: Yeah, and I remember when you shared that story with, with Tony and I before we all went over there, mm-hmm. you know, and just to help us understand the culture better, which that, I mean, that was shocking, you know, yeah. for me to understand. I mean, sometimes we don't think that other countries still have systems like that in place, you know, where there, there are people who are in a lower caste system, and there is it's not like here. They're not getting out. Right. Like it, it's, there's, there's no opportunities to move up. You're right. not going to see the lower caste person playing in the NBA or being a CEO executive or something like that. It's just a different um, thing. So, but it was, I felt like it was important that you shared that for us because a lot of times we can go onto the mission field with preconceived notions Correct. or a Western mindset. And we think things are going to kind of adapt to our <laughs> knowledge or, or our ways, or we have the answer or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and you from experience realize that that just wasn't the case, you know, yeah. that your place wasn't to go over there and change their system or their culture. Culture or the way they do things. It was to just share the love of Christ Amen. and and that be that. You know Amen. and let God work from there. Amen. So it so was good. So so with that being said, what other what other obstacles do you feel like you've you've kind of faced? Maybe early on, or or maybe even some of the newer ones on the the recent trips. You know, have have obstacles changed, or are things, or some of the things that were difficult twenty five years ago still difficult today. But just share some of some of that.
1: I can say you learn a lot. You learn what to take, what not to take but Uganda we have been going there for more than any other places that I've traveled to and so we've been going to Uganda now for 21 years and so a lot of the kids that were born I've seen them being born dedicated them unto the lord yeah. in the local churches there and even a lot of them have named their kids after me you know <laughs> over there and so one thing I can say is when when the first time okay <laughs> confession. <laughs> Here we go. I did not want to go to Uganda. Yeah. As if I hadn't learned from Mexico. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. It just, it was just never on my mind. Someone talked me into going and I literally went. So this guy would get off my back and I got over there and I'd seen poverty before. I saw it in South America, I saw it in Mexico. It's almost like the Lord did it in stages. I saw poverty in Mexico and then going to South America, it was worse mm. uh, in, in uh, Guyana. And then I went to India and that was a whole new line of poverty. Yeah, that was shocking for me. <laughs> it I'd never seen anything shocking. like that before. And then I went to Africa. I never experienced anything like that in my life. The, the poverty, the, the hair falling out because of disease and mm. the big bellies and, you know, the starving kids. And it was so hard to see that. And so my heart went out to that country. And I really felt like the Lord says, this is where you're going to be. And my previous senior pastor went with me on that first trip. And he even mentioned to the people that we want to partner with you and help. And so 21 years later, we're still there and we're doing these things. And but what is so good is that when we first got there, we saw the pot bellies and and you know the disease kids and things like that. But since we've been there, we've seen a major transformation. We work with we started off working with about 200 kids. Now we work with over 4,000 wow. kids there. Wow. And uh, very, very few of the big bellies. The big bellies really come from worms mm-hmm. and things that are in their system. But we've we've gotten wet, uh, water wells so that they could have clean water. And that's mainly where they got their the worms from is the uh, dirty water. But yeah. now we're seeing them with with clean water. We see their bodies are much healthier. Uh The hair is on their heads now and they still keep it cut close for diseases and things getting in it. But it has been such a miraculous thing that's happened with, and we're just one little group here, right. you know I mean? Right. <laughs> and we're doing this. So I know that if other people get out there that are called to the mission field and, and really kind of become a part. Don't go in like you're the mighty savior because right. you're just a servant. And and you go in and you serve people. And with what you have, you give. And God has expanded. People give to our mission all the time. I I, I do have to say this. I'm, a, I'm about to go on a mission trip in a couple of weeks. And this was kind of an off-scheduled trip because of COVID. But a lot of the kids are hungry. And so we're able to go over there and buy some more food and take them out to the villages. I mention it, and one person sent me a check for $20,000, just like that. <laughs> wow. Because they knew what I was going to do. And what we do is um 100% of the money that they give to us goes. There's no middleman. There's no administrative costs. We pay for our own flights there yes. unless somebody gives us the money for the flights, which happens <laughs> all yeah. the time. But the money that comes in for the mission 100% goes to buying yeah. food, clothes, school supplies, Everything you know, and I I don't don't know how to say it any other way except for He has just given us favor with um, the finances and everything. Yeah,
0: I think that's something that I've I've seen over the years with you. Every time we talked about a mission trip that you're going on, God just blesses time and time again. And times where it's it's even questionable, like are we gonna are we gonna make the finances that we need, and God comes through over and over and over. And it's been a blessing. And I and I think part of that is that you know, your faithfulness and saying, we're not keeping any of this. This isn't marketing expenses. This yeah. isn't, you know, media or we're paying this admin person or that person or executives, you know, that is all going towards the ministry for the, for the people in that country, you know, and I think God just continues to bless that and, yeah. and your, your heart for them. He so, has. Yeah. he
1: has.
0: So in, in all the years, you know, I want to hear maybe uh, some of the stories, the testimonies that have come from, from some of the things that you've seen, like you just shared one and, and kind kind of seeing the, the progression over the years, but what have been some others in, in a couple of the countries that you've been to where uh, just something God moved in a mighty way, just really saw something amazing happen?
1: Well, let, let me say it to you like this. There was a time, I, it was back in 2004. You guys remember there was the great tsunami mm-hmm. that was overseas. So in the church, my senior pastor said to me, we're going to take up an offering. He said to the congregation, we're going to take up an offering. Now, we're we're a small church, and um, we took up an offering that day to help out for the tsunami. We took up an offering of $35,000, mm. just spontaneous. And so the pastor was saying, okay, now what do we do with the money? Do we give it to an organization, or do we go ourselves? And uh, somebody said, give it to Ozzy, he'll do it. No. <laughs> You don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and so, of course, I, I took on a challenge. And then another man came up to me in church and said, let me take you to China first. And uh, we can buy food and supplies there in China, and it'd be a whole lot cheaper than getting it there and everything because of the, the gouging at the time, right. because of the, the tsunamis. And this was in India, the Andaman Islands, places like that. So I said, okay, have trip to China, you know, get to go to China. And so I told the senior pastor, and uh, and I said, the guy said, I can take one more person with me. <laughs> That's as far as that got.
0: So we went.
1: <laughs> And uh, so when we got there and we purchased all this food and oils and and things like that for the Mm. people, then the guy said, hold on just a minute. And he called a partner of his, and he ended up paying for everything. Wow. We still had $35,000, you know? Wow. And so he paid for everything. And then we left and, and went to India with all of this money. And so we started going down the shoreline in India and buying things and out to the Andaman Islands and and buying things for people clothes blankets cookware you name it we just purchased And um, there's a miracle coming in here, so bear with me on this, okay? (laughs) So, But we we bought all of this stuff, and we had taken two of the local guys in India out of a place called Chennai. And we took them with us, and they went to the Andaman Islands with us. And so we get back on the mainland of India, and one of the guys says, Is there any way you can help my village? I said, Man... (laughs) You've been with us all this time. <laughs> right. And you never, never said asked. anything wow. about your own village, you know? And so um, we only had twelve hundred dollars left. Wow. You know? And I said, his name's Prasad. I said, Prasad, we, we had twelve hundred dollars, but we're you're welcome to it. We'll we'll go and purchase what's needed the most. Well it turns out the thing that they needed the most was their livelihood was fishing. And they use these giant nets to bring in the, the harvest. And so I found out that buying a net was like a mortgage for us, you know, that that they have to pay for them. And so one of the men, our contact men from India, we were going to go and get some nets for them. And he says, let me go in because they're going to see you guys are Americans and they're going to raise the price. Yeah, yeah, price, guys. So we sat in the car and he came back. And he said, for the $1,200, we can get you two nets. And I said, I'm not paying $1,200 for two nets. Right. You know? And I said, I'd rather go out and get a truck of rice and just feed them until they can figure out what to do. And so I said, you know what? Let me go in and talk to this man. And he um, he says, you're not going to get anywhere with him, you know? And I said, I have nothing to lose. Right. Okay? Right point. now, we're not getting them. Right. But they need nets down there. And so I went in. And I told the the guys that were with me, I said, you guys, just be praying. I believe God's going to move on this man's heart. And so we go in there. They wait outside. They could see me in there talking to this man. And so I guess about 40 minutes later, I walked out (laughs) with 18 nets. (laughs) Wow. Wow. 18 nets, and, the, That's and amazing. The, our contact person said, how did you do that? I mm. said, just load the vehicle and let's leave before <laughs> this man realizes <laughs> right, what he's done. Right. <laughs> Comes know? back to his <laughs> senses. <laughs> so... So anyway, and we went into that village and man they had a festival like you wouldn't believe because they their hope had been restored in there as well as an opportunity that we had to share the gospel in that place, you know. Something Straight. that we couldn't have never orchestrated ourselves, but it happened yeah. and God blessed it. And so we saw people come to the Lord, as well as the joy of being able to go on in their life, you know. They still had to rebuild their homes and things like that, but they were able to get the food to eat and be able to sell to survive. And so they had they had put up banners and everything when they knew we were coming That's with cool. all of this. Man, the reward you—I've learned that you just can't outgive God, and and we we're going over to bless and turn around. God blessed instead, you know, just to see those faces, the the place where or the faces that when we first saw them, it was like no hope until we got those nets and things, and they were just excited.
0: Yeah, I got to say this about you. The other thing that blesses me is that over the years that I've known you, and you have shared with me numerous testimonies. The thing that just blows me away is that you never take it for granted. Like you, you are so moved every time God comes through with a miracle. I mean, it is, it is so neat that it's not, that you have not just, you don't have this like take it for granted attitude or this kind of flippant attitude that it's just become normal. Like it is, it is a blessing to see your humility and, even, I don't know, your brokenness for the people and then just the joy that you have and your reaction every time God moves, you know, it's like every time you're just left in awe and that when you tell the stories, it's like, it's like you're feeling it for the first time. Like you, it's so (laughs) like, I I love hearing your stories because the emotion in, in you is still so fresh and you're still so in awe of God and how he moves. And so these testimonies that you share, that you share, man, they are moving. So man, I just always want to thank you for that. Oh, yeah. pleasure. I love it.
1: You know, they're not without problems as well. I have two stories I can tell. I'm not sure which one I want to tell. But <laughs> uh, tell them both. I can uh, edit for time if we need to. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, one time in India, uh, uh, a guy had gone with me. His name is Fesso. And he lived on the West Coast, and but he knew we went on mission trips and wanted to go with us. So one morning I said to Fesso, I said, let's go for a walk. I know with this place where you can take some beautiful pictures, mm. you know. And I said, load a bunch of candy in the backpacks because there's going to be a lot of kids, you know. They're, <laughs> they're just everywhere, you yeah. know. I said, so do that, and and um, so we did, and we went walking down this trail. And when we went walking down the trail, there were these girls that were there telling us to come a certain way, you know. And I'm going. We both kind of looked at each other like, "What do we do?" You know, what? Mm. Do we do? And so since we were together, we both went, and with the with a charade of kids behind us and everything, and. <laughs> about took our backpacks from us that had the candy in it, you know. <laughs> of course. But we get out to we get out to this place. We kinda go through this thicket and uh, and it opened up to this little village. Now, I'm not sure what was going on to this day, but God had a reason. And so when we get there, there's this concrete slab. It's about four feet off the ground. There's some stairs up to it and they had two chairs on it and they put both of us in the chairs on there. You know, your mind wanders, you're in a foreign land right. <laughs> you're in the middle of the jungle somewhere and you you know, you you know no one. No one speaks English, and so we're a bit nervous. Thinking this slab, the Aztec, Mexico, human <laughs> sacrifice, right? Is this us? You know, and so yeah, it was a it was a little scary. But all of a sudden, they kept bringing out food. Now, me, I have a thing. I'm very, I, I try to be very careful with the food that I eat mm-hmm. and where it comes from because of parasites and things like that. And, right, and you're there for a while, so you want to be careful. And I'm like I don't know where I am, I don't know what they're doing, but they're feeding us and they want us to see oh, oh, let me back up. In there there was a bunch of people around and there was one man who walked out and I don't know what they call him, but it looked like a giant diaper and a and a staff, mm. okay? Obviously and no teeth. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But obviously, he was in charge. Yeah. You you knew that. And so, he spoke no English. He would just keep smiling at us, you know? (laughs) With no teeth. So, with no teeth. (laughs) That's how I knew. Yeah. (laughs) But... uh, Anyway, he had them bringing food out to us. So we were eating and eating and everything. And Lord, I prayed before and no no side effects or anything. We did fine. And so it was like a little quick ceremony and it was over and he shook our hands and we left. That? That, that was it. <laughs> okay. That's wild. Now, here we go. Here's, here's, here's the miracle part of it. We had gone out that night to do a crusade, and we were coming back to the orphanage where we were staying. And when we when we got to that orphanage, or getting close to that orphanage, it turned out that this was the middle of a Hindu festival. And before we got there, weeks before we got there, we had heard about them just a little north of where we were. We'd heard about where they had taken a father and two sons from Austria and locked them in their car and set the car on fire Oh wow! during the Hindu season festivals. And so when we are coming down from our crusade, down these single lane roads, the people had completely engulfed the roads. I mean, you mm. couldn't get through because of all the people. They started shaking our car and everything like that. And we could hear pe- people were praying and people were scared and we didn't know what was gonna happen. And so all of a sudden we're sitting there and I see the old man with no teeth smiling and he walks up, oh, let me back up. People were putting their hands up against the window of the car and they had little eyeballs painted in the middle of it. So we knew we were caught in the middle of a, a Hindu thing and we didn't know if it was part of demonic possession and yeah. things like that, you know, but it's another thing being a child of God. but the the, uh, the man came up to the to the window And he stuck his face and is right in front of my face. And he looked at me and he smiled. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. He said something to the crowd, like the Red Sea, it parted. Wow. And we drove right through. (laughs) Oh, man. And went home. That's wild. That That was the second scariest thing that I'd ever gone through. The other one was I was in Kashmir. This is northern India. I had befriended some people there and they wanted me to see Kashmir. So course i start reading with what i can in the area where i was before i went yeah and they kept saying everything is fine everything is fine i went tense the whole time because about every 15 feet if it was that far there was a armed guard all down the streets all down the alleys all down wherever you live they were just there because of the it's a war-torn area yeah. a war-torn area so anyway Everything went fine. I remember praying. I said, Lord, if you get me out of Kashmir, I'll never come back to this place again, you know? (laughs) And (laughs) so here I am in India again, and I'm with the same guys and everything, and they asked me if I was coming to Kashmir, and I said, no, no. (laughs) I mean, it was no hesitation. Yeah. No, I'm not going. And so finally, one of the guys told me, said that his dad had practiced English for two years just so he could talk to me. Oh, wow. And I'm going, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, man, they know where to get you, Ozzy. They know where to get you. Just so that he could talk to me. And so I I went again. But this time, the dad said, will you share the gospel with us? Now, I am in a place that is just about 100% Muslim. And uh, he said, will you share the gospel with me? And he actually brought his family in and allowed me to minister gospel to that family and um no one came forward but the seed was planted it was definitely planted and so so then i told the guys i said after everything was done i said to them there's a curfew uh in that territory and i said you guys need to take me back to my hotel so that we can beat the curfew so we're leaving their house and they're headed to take me the hotel and we get stopped by the police and they search all my stuff Uh, by the way they're holding guns at my head and so i had nothing to hide they went through my stuff they turned my laptop on and and everything had nothing to hide but here here, here's the neatest thing we all think about missionaries and you know it's a possibility they can be killed and they're out on the field and things like that but It's supernatural, Tommy. I mean, this is really supernatural because I had no fear. When they were going through my stuff, and I'm stand- I wasn't gonna make any crazy moves, right? But right. I, I, I had a piece, that piece that passes all understanding, yes. right? Yeah. That was right there, you know. And and so I'm standing there, and I just watched it. And they'd been drinking; you can smell the alcohol. Mm. So they're trigger happy, right. you know. And so they checked everything out, and I told them the name of the hotel I was going to. They were escorting me back, and then they were going to be coming back, you know. But that still would have gotten back before the curfew, yeah. you know. So after they held me up for a little while, they just said, let me go and and let me go. Yeah. You know, and it was the strangest thing, the strangest feeling, but it was just the hand of God upon my life protecting me because even I felt at that point, he's not finished with me yet. And so I I believe that's why that peace was there, because I knew I wasn't done. But the enemy that we do have, I think the mere fact that I shared the gospel up there, he put stumbling blocks in front of me to to try to scare me to not doing it again. Incidentally, I've been back again. Yeah. <laughs> After three times ago saying, I'm never, I'm going, never back. going back. never going back. Lord, just get me out of here. I'll yeah. never go back, you yeah. know?
0: God, I keep bringing you back to Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: had a few of those.
0: <laughs> you had yeah, A few us, huh? Yeah. A few Ninevehs.
1: Rise not there, again, God. No, no. Yeah, you not got, only are you going, you're
0: going multiple times.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's so funny because I can't tell you how many times i said the Lord, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> but we know the Lord oh, doesn't make mistakes. And, 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 and I'm so grateful today for him allowing me, allowing me to go to the places that I've been to and to experience the things that I've gone through. And, and something that I thought that I could never do and i mean seriously is to go out on a mission field like that i was comfortable at home i was very comfortable and uh and i didn't i, I just i i didn't understand how people did it yeah but it was that unime <laughs> in mexico that started all of this going and um, i believe that god wants to use so many more people we just be obedient to him i think so many more people could be their lives could be changed to know the Lord, and we know that everyone's going to hear the gospel before He returns. Yeah, and so I'm glad to be a part of that, you know. And does that make me any greater than anyone else? Absolutely not. It's just the path that He's chosen for me, and I just want to be obedient to it.
0: Well, and He keeps using you because he never made it about you. You know, that's <laughs> that's the, I can I can tell you that. I mean, you are you've been one of the most humble people I've ever met, and for you, it is always about christ it is always about the gospel and your heart with that and your willingness to go yeah god's gonna use that and he has and he continues to because you Amen. have you have a trip coming up to where are you going next uganda uganda mm-hmm. in how long
1: Uh um, in september 13th i leave
0: all right so we're coming up in a couple of weeks yeah yeah is this the one you were telling me about before when i saw you a couple of months ago and we talked about missions you were telling me about a gentleman with construction Right. Is this that true? This is that true. Yeah. So I want you to, I do want you to share that because one of the things that I do find fascinating is you know, we see the mission trips where people go over, they do something, take some selfies. Yay. <laughs> I helped, you know, I feel so good about myself and they come back to the States. But, you know, for you, it's been more than that. It's been about helping them to sustain whatever it is, schooling or living or, you know, like help, you know healthy water things like that long after you leave you know Mm -hmm. so you were sharing about this gentleman with the construction and so I want you to share that of of what you guys are doing on this upcoming trip that is helping to put the people in Uganda in in a more self-sustaining place and taking care of themselves and having opportunities for employment and bettering the community
1: amen uh it's a man named Jason I actually to this day have not met him in person (laughs) (laughs) that's an Aussie thing right there man that is such an Aussie thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, he heard about me through some people, and they put him in contact with me. Why he chose Uganda, I, I don't know. Mm. Outside of the Lord laying this on his heart, but he said, "I want to." And backing up a little bit, we go over and we feed and we teach and do things like that. This is this is now another step where we teach them to fish and not just give them fish. And so what he wants to do is to go to Uganda, figure out how he can set up a business. He's a roofer, uh, he has a company, but he he wants, he wants me to take him to Uganda, introduce him to people, and um, get a business set up there. And a lot of our guys that are in the orphanage that are up to age of working, he wants to teach them roofing, hire them on his company, with his company that he wants to set up over there and um, give them work to do to earn a living Yeah. that, you know, like a lot of them, w- w- okay, for instance, I, I know people over there that getting married, they're having children, but they have no means of mm. supporting. And they know that, but, yeah. you know, when when a person's like that, producing a child shows a worth, mm. you know, this this is who i am and and i can produce kids you know and so there he wants to be able to give them work to do to be able to bring money home have a wife raise their kids and and have a job on top of that you know so that's what we're working on our yeah. contact in in Uganda already knows we're coming and everything and and uh, is already pre-talking to people nice to uh to set this up and so i'm i'm actually excited about and i'm uh, excited <laughs> that's yeah and that if this is going to be able Able to work out and everything, you know, yeah. this is an experiment, you know. Right. I've never done this before, but but um, you know, it seems like it's a door that the Lord is open, and I want to walk through it and uh and help get things set up for them because it's going to help out in two ways my money, because <laughs> yeah. I send money over there all the time, to yeah. Just I probably have six request today, you know. But uh, it would help when they're working over there and they won't be asking as much, you know. Yeah. And we'll always help. I I know that. But but if they're able to work and get jobs, it would just Uganda has a has a, a wealthy and a poor. There's really no mm. middle, middle class. Yeah. You you either have it or you just don't their rent is like between fifty and seventy five dollars a month. You know, and they struggle to do that. Right. That's mind-blowing for us, right? I mean, yeah. I I pay one person's rent over there every month, you Mm -hmm. know, because he can't—he's in school, Mm though— But he has to have a place to stay, yeah. you know. So, but I pay. I said I'll take care of the rent, so you have a place to stay. You take yeah. care of your food and and things like that. And a lot of times, even a lot of our kids or older kids, high school age, mm-hmm. they work out in the fields, in the, in the gardens, and things like that. And I asked them, I said, so I, I know it's not much, but what do they pay you? He goes, oh, well, they don't pay us money. They give us food. You get to eat. Yeah, yeah, we get to eat. We get wow. to eat our food, and I'm going, oh.
0: Well, I think something else. People, a lot of people may not realize, and in a lot of those countries, school's not free. School like even for elementary, free. middle, high school age, it's not like here. It's not like these these families just send their kids to school and then, right. then eventually they can do something. I mean, it's the financial strain starts there. Right. You know, with them even being able to become educated.
1: Yeah, average person don't don't graduate from high school till about twenty two years old. You know, because they go and they stop. They go and they stop. Yeah. It just depends on if they depends have the, on finances. the flow. Yeah, right. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is fascinating to me. I mean, I, I love this because it's not just as it doesn't just provide income from the, but you were speaking to, to when they have a baby that creates this like worth to mm-hmm. the family. And I mean, you kind of see that in the Bible, right? Like right. that was a barren woman was kind of seen as cursed by God, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, and having mm-hmm. a baby was a sign of a blessing. And right. so, so it's a very natural thing to, to see in other cultures still. But the other thing about Being able to provide for your family is that generates another level of self worth. It is a different feeling that you have when you're getting money handed to you versus Mm -hmm. when you go out and you earn it and you have that sense of accomplishment. So that's a an extra thing that's going to be added to that. It's just giving them that boost. Yeah. So that's. I'm excited. So we'll have to do a follow up (laughs) at some point. Kind of, you know, and it it may take a little while to kind of see how it goes. But Uh but that's an exciting thing. I mean, I think it's a neat. A neat thing to see a company like that get started over there and how it's going to go. And, and, uh, yeah. I'm I'm
1: excited about it myself, man. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's going to be cool. All right. Well,
0: do you have any any other parting uh, thoughts about the mission field or anything to, to maybe words to speak to those who may be looking to start, you know, going on mission trips or, or
1: interested in the mission field? You know, if if um, your listening audience or, or whoever hears this, uh, if they're interested, let me know. And I'll I'll be glad to uh, talk to them. Yeah, just ask around. About, Somebody will have his know. number. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but really, you can you can give my number out. I don't have a problem with that. But I would be glad to talk to them about going. Doesn't mean necessarily they're gonna go. Yeah. But, but I'll be glad to talk to them about it and see where their hearts are because this is not when, when we go on these trips. This is not just to um, trying to think of the words that. It's, it's not a spectator's thing. In it. You have to be engaged, and your heart needs to be right. Yeah. you know, and, and these kids know. I mean, they, they know love. That's one thing they know. And and when your heart's right, man, they're going to be all over you. They're just going to love on you, and, and you're just going to fall in love.
0: I mean, that really is the thing, is, is knowing where someone's heart is. is. We're not going over there to kind of virtue signal. The, right for ourselves
1: be the gods you know. of america is right. what i want to say you know everybody knows america is a very wealthy country and so sometimes we we go and i and i have to admit i've had people on my teams like mm-hmm. that you know but they go acting like they are the savior instead of mm-hmm. christ and so that's that's not what this is all about. Your heart will have to build those people yeah. wherever you travel to, and and not just um, a two-week thing where you know you've stepped into a new world and now you're going to step back out into your own world and forget about what you left behind or what you saw. behind yeah. you. Uh, you just got to have a heart for it. You just have, you have to, and that's what I want. the The other thing I have to say, you have to be a Christian. If if you're not serving the Lord, you don't love the Lord. This is not the trip for you. It, it really is. We go in the name of the Lord, and the Lord takes care of it like he sees fit to, and he does. I thank you very much for your time today. This Thanks for sharing my your heart, pleasure. man. Yeah,
0: I really appreciate <laughs> it. Pleasure. And I uh, look forward to hearing stories from the next one, and I look forward to getting back out on the mission field with you.
1: Amen. So. Going to March, taking a big team in March.
0: Well, so, well, so <laughs> and I actually, so, I, so yeah, so in confessions to this, I, I actually reached out to Ozzy recently because uh, my wife and I are praying about connections in Zambia, mm-hmm. actually, to, to do ministry in Africa. And so we are looking at a trip in June right now, at the end of June. Uh, so we're kind of seeing who's going to go and, get all the, the details of that. So that's actually started, uh, the committee started meeting this past week, trying to mm-hmm. figure out some of the logistics. So I'll actually be looking to go right right behind you oh, to wow. uh, to Zambia in June. And, you know, we're looking at maybe if there's opportunities to, to partner long-term in ministry with the... The Ministries are over there, so I'm excited about that, man. And then
1: I've never been to Zambia, been close, but haven't been to Zambia, and I would love to go sometime, you know. So,
0: yeah, we'll see what God does, man. It's true, yeah, it's true. So, but yeah, so I thank you for that for the influence, for you know, being someone I could come and talk to about that because you're the man, (laughs) (laughs) you are the man. (laughs) So, yeah, all right, all right, cool. Well, thank you very much, man. My pleasure, till next time, all right. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in every Monday as I have a special guest in the studio to talk with me about what it is to love God and love our neighbors in both deed and in truth. And check us out every Friday for a new episode of Freestyle Friday. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a review and go ahead and share the podcast with your friends. You can also check us out online at deedandtruthpodcast.com and you can connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter at deed underscore truth and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. by searching the Deed and Truth Podcast. All right, until next time.